0: Hello, I'm Katie Piper and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. I am delighted to welcome a particularly extraordinary woman to the studio today. She is the detective turned whistleblower who resigned from Greater Manchester Police in 2012 in order to expose the catastrophic failures of the police force in protecting child victims of the grooming rings in Rochdale. She's just written a brilliant book, which I read in one day. It explains the horrifying scandal that is ongoing today. She's been described as the bravest woman in Britain, and what she's done to save young women's lives really is exceptional. Welcome to the studio, Maggie Oliver. Thank
1: you so much, Katie, and thanks for having me in.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, you're a dream guest for me. Um, You know, before I met you, before I knew you, um, I admired you. Um, You know, and the story, it really uh, moved me and pained me to hear the story. And obviously, it's your real life. You know, you've been at the helm of this. Um, For people that don't know the full story, can you give us a, a kind of brief outline?
1: Basically, I joined the police when I was 41. Right. Which was old, to join the police. <laughs> but um, I've never been frightened of a challenge. And mm-hmm. I wanted to do something really good, you know, something worthwhile. I've got four kids of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not someone who can sit around and do nothing.
0: You're a doer. Yeah, I'm yeah. a doer. But yeah.
1: So I actually went back to university when I was 37, did a full-time degree, wow. because I wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. And then as I came in, towards the end of my degree, I thought... You know, do I really want to spend the rest of my life with other people's kids? <laughs>
0: Your own are bad yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. I know you do.
1: <laughs> so I, I applied for my PGC and I applied for the police and I got in both. Um, I decided to go into the police for at least a year and defer my entry to teaching. Hmm. I was posted to Moss Side. Wow, um, that's w- tough. It was, it was terrifying actually because um, you know I'm just an ordinary mum. Most side in those days was gangs and Mm -hmm. guns. And I thought, you know, I thought they pulled the wrong name out of the hat. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, But I went, and you know what? I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I think because I was an older woman, um, you evolve as you you grow older. Mm -hmm. And things are not necessarily just black and white. Mm -hmm. My job was to gather evidence and put the really bad guys away. And I, I just was always... I I tried to be fair. Mm. Um, Sounds like you always wanted justice, the the right thing to be done. I I really, really did. And my book says fighting for justice. Mm -hmm. You know, when you join the police, you swear your oath of attestation. Mm -hmm. And that is what I promised to do. And what's happened to me since, actually really boils down to those words that oath yeah Yeah, my oath I promise to act with integrity to uphold fundamental human rights to protect the vulnerable and what I saw eventually in Rochdale with the way the police and the CPS and social services the authorities were treating very very vulnerable children um didn't tick those boxes
0: So these children, these are children that are in care or they're still living with their parents? Yeah, I mean,
1: I worked on an earlier job, um, again, which my book goes into, in 2005, Mm. where there were many children who were in care Mm -hmm. who were being groomed and sexually abused by mainly Pakistani men. And that was a very big job. Um, I was on that job until March 2005. And my husband was terminally ill. Right. Um, I went off work in March. um, The job was with the major incident team and we had, you know well over 100 men on a database. Right. Um, these are the predators. The, the men, predators, TM. yeah. Um, a, a lot of children, social workers who had been trying for years to get the police to, to do something about this. So they'd been flagging it, the, yeah. the, the social workers. Yeah, there right? was no doubt, but it was my first introduction to grooming and this kind of sexual crime. So these,
0: these men were predominantly taxi drivers, Asian taxi drivers?
1: Yeah, in that... Yeah. And um the own takeaways on the Currie Mile, actually, this mm-hmm. wasn't in Rochdale, right. but there was a young girl who had died, a girl called Victoria, and she'd been sexually abused and she was in care. How um, did she die? Her man had given her um an overdose. He'd o- she'd overdosed on drugs, but he had been one of the abusers or part of the gang. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't prosecuted for any sexual offences, but he was prosecuted for the for the death. Well, Norman died in the July um, and I came back to work. Norman's your husband. My husband, yeah. Your husband died and yeah. he, he died of bowel cancer. Yeah, he right? did. And he was like in his 40s. So, so young. Yeah. You were at
0: the start of your career in your 40s, you know. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I'd been with Norman since I was 20. Um, so it's all you'd ever known. Yeah. Um, yeah. My life actually fell apart mm-hmm. and my youngest son was still at school. My daughter had just done her A-levels. Mm-hmm. I'd got two other... You know, all my kids were still living at home. Yeah. And I, I really was desperately trying to carry on, really. Um, incredibly difficult. It, it is, I mean, you know what it's like to, to live through tragedy and mm-hmm. trauma. And, and a lot of it is about adjusting your mindset. Um, and, but I went back to work and found that. It was called Operation Augusta, that job. Mm-hmm. Operation Augusta had just died a death. And what was the explanation? Wow. I couldn't get an explanation, Katie. Um, it was, I was told there was insufficient evidence. But I knew that that was not true because I had spoken to all the social workers. Mm. I had spoken to some of the kids. It didn't make any sense to me. And when you, you say they were being abused, what level of abuse are we talking horrific about? Horrific abuse. You know, um, what we now understand as grooming mm-hmm. young boys would initially turn up at the care homes and pick up the kids which um, is quite when you're a child that's quite exciting it's, exciting. it's flattering yeah and- but these these kids actually were not th- these kids lived in care so they weren't in a loving home like yours mm-hmm. or mine mm-hmm. they were very vulnerable they were lonely they craved attention Um, you know a young good looking guy turning up with a flashy car Mm -hmm. it's really um, tempting and addictive and that is how it would start and then from there they were given drink they were given drugs mm-hmm. um, which again is quite glamorous
0: when you're yeah, young you know yeah. it's it's you know you go out and you want people to buy you drink and you want to have fun absolutely and if you've never been shown a stable home yeah. maybe you don't know what love looks like and
1: you think this is love and, and that's true but for me that is why the police and social services are there mm-hmm. to protect children mm. and for me, that is the, the most important job. You know, if we don't have resources to do everything, so to go to a theft from motor vehicle, to attend a burglary, not good, but I would accept that. Mm-hmm. But you do not walk away from a 13 year old child who's being raped on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It, plain and simple. And that's what was happening to these children. That is what was happening. And in those, in, in the early 2000s, which was when this was, um, Police forces were being driven by performance indicators. Right. So, if you phoned the police and said, um, "My car's been broken into," you know, you'd have, you know, four or five police officers on your doorstep within, uh, with, with the blink of an eye.
0: So they could tick that in the paperwork. So they could tick the yeah. box.
1: Yeah. Uh, on top of that, I now know, which I didn't know then, that the um, Home Office had sent out or did send out an email to all police forces in two thousand eight, telling them not to investigate these crimes. Why? Because they was saying that these kids were making a lifestyle choice, <laughs> that they were choosing to be abused. And, you know, there was an attitude that it was okay. So uh, much misogyny, it's terrible, uh, it, isn't it? It is awful. And it's a... I don't think it's just about sexual abuse, though. I think it's an attitude to... It's a them and us mentality. You know, these kids were an underclass. Uh-huh. They didn't have anybody fighting their corner. Uh-huh. They actually weren't even reporting... Rapes. Mm -hmm. A lot of these kids on Operation Augusta should have been in secure accommodation, Mm -hmm. but that costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't, nobody would take that step. So before the job went into arrest, whilst I was off with Norman, the decision was made to close the job down. And we just pretended it didn't happen. And how can they get the sign off to do that? Where there's a will, there's a way. And what I have seen since then. You know, I mean, that's 15 years ago. You must have been horrified to return oh to God. work and see, I, you know, that. But I didn't have any evidence, to, I didn't have any paperwork, mm-hmm. I didn't have, um, I was in a bad st- way myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might not have been respected
0: because they might say, "Well, you're just grieving," and you know you're you're sort of you've lost it, you've gone off the rails, you yeah. Know?
1: Which is what was said when I resigned after Operation Span. Right. You know, I was this woman. I became too the, the chief constable, I You know, he's shouting about doing the right thing. I was trying to do the right thing, and then he says to this day, he's met me many times. He's never met me. He refused to meet me ever. Right. But I'm a woman who'd lost the plot. I became too emotionally involved. Well, I'm not ashamed of being emotionally involved. Because no. I care. Yeah. If you, you know, weren't emotionally yeah.
0: involved, you were a robot. Yeah. And,
1: and when you're dealing with these kids on a, you know, you're meeting them and you see how difficult the lives are. My responsibility as a police officer was to put the, ga- the bad guys away. Mm. And when you've got gangs of predatory men, 50, 60 years old, targeting very vulnerable children, the law is there to prosecute. Mm -hmm. paedophiles. I now know, which I didn't know in 2005, that the last entry on the Operation Augusta database was on the night of the 6th of July, 2005. The morning of the 7th was the London bombing. Ah, okay. That job was closed down. Now, GMP will say that wasn't the case that the decision was made a long time before that Mm -hmm. but they would say that i'm sorry i have heard so many platitudes and Mm -hmm. pr you know it's very easy words are very easy Mm -hmm. um the reality was we had kids telling us they were being abused we had social workers banging on doors and we had the police and the cps walking away from it so you couldn't ignore this this operation got shut down and then a
0: new operation was opened following this. that was
1: five years later right five years in that in that intervening period, I I was in the major incident team. Okay, I mainly worked on um, gang related shootings. Mm-hmm. I worked on kidnappings. I um, had hey, um, a quiet life, Maggie. lot the way? Just, just no, this off. I'm no, like, no, my goodness. Uh, lots
0: of really tough, interesting, but tough yeah. jobs. So five years later, did you work on the no? no. I, so bef- so before the the next operation, tell me what happened next. The next steps.
1: Well, after Norman died, I tried to heal myself really mm-hmm. um you know I actually signed up and did a, a charity trek to Borneo oh wow okay. um climbed Mount Kinabalu and it gave me a focus mm-hmm. which I mean you know you've been through the mill personally and you really you know you know how you have to dig deep you need purpose you need yeah. to be busy yeah and and in the early days when things are very painful you need a dis I find that you need a distraction mm mm-hmm. Because you have to occupy your mind until it's strong enough to face up to the reality perhaps. Mm-hmm. And and I threw myself into fundraising. Right. Um, I did this trek and I came back and started to pick up the pieces of my life and support my children, mm-hmm. um, carried on with my job. And then I got a call in 2010 mm-hmm. asking me to go and speak to the powers that be about Operation Span. And lo and behold, it is an identical replica of what Operation Augusta was. So this grooming ring yeah. again had reared its yeah. ugly head. Yeah. So I was called in and I was, I didn't work in child protection. Um, and I was asked whether I would join Operation Span and bring on board The child who had had the abortion, Mm -hmm. plus um, her sister who was also a victim of the grooming gangs. Mm -hmm. And initially I I refused. Because you were so angry? I just, I'd never really got over what happened on Operation Augusta. Mm -hmm. Because those men didn't suddenly stop abusing kids. They were still out there. I mean, it would probably give them the message that
0: they're more powerful than the police. It would probably encourage them to yeah. go at large, really, wouldn't it? Because, yeah. you
1: know, if there's absolutely no deterrent, then they can just carry on. They just, and they became more sophisticated. They became mm-hmm. more, um. They were quite brazen, some of them, yeah. weren't they? I mean, I, I would say that, that then we, we used to refer to all the gangs in Moss Side as the OCGs, the organized crime groups, mm-hmm. criminal gangs. The grooming gangs became the new OCGs right. and they are so sophisticated and cleverly connected. You know, you've got, they, they spread between the cities. I mean, when I first spoke out, nobody really knew what grooming was, mm. but you only have to now look at where all the trials have finally been run. You know, not only Rochdale and Rotherham, but Oxford and Telford and. So they're all connected. Yeah, that they, they all, um, that, that was a part of what the, the charges were um they were charged with trafficking as well because they would take the the kids from one town to another. I actually feel that trafficking is not um a strong enough charge to throw no. against these men because they are rapists. And in the time that I've been speaking out from since two thousand and twelve, mm-hmm. when I first went public, to now, the charges now do reflect the magnitude. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's in large part to what or to what i've said but working with on on three girls for four years three um, girls is the bbc
0: dramatization of this story yeah. isn't it yes and it is a yeah. drama um,
1: yeah. i i've written my book um, survivors because I don't feel the drama goes far enough, it's it's fabulous Well it's that- funny you
0: say that because I w- I watched the drama, I, you know I don't have a lot of time to watch telly and I really wanted to watch this drama because I'd read about the story I'd read about you before I met you and I was training for a half marathon so I was like running on the treadmill in the gym and I'd watch an episode every time I ran and after about the third episode, I started crying on the treadmill because I was just like, this is real life. And, and I, I, you know, I work in telly I, and I know that sometimes, like you just said, these stories don't even reflect no. half of what the victim's no. been through. And I knew just how bad it must have been for these women. Um, I mean, that drama was watched by nine million 9 people. Nine million people, yeah. I saw you at the BAFTAs. We had a chat at the BAFTAs. <laughs> you did, were yeah. On the red
1: carpet. Yeah. Um, and it's harrowing. If there's one thing, that I feel proud of. I don't believe there is ever another fifteen-year-old girl that will be put on an indictment for um, being a paedophile because What's one an indictment, the charge sheet. Right. One one of the children who was abused um, as a an, as a tactical option in the end, um, they added her to the charge sheet so they could get. Her evidence into court. So, because she coerced and she assisted? But she didn't. Right. Um, I mean, I think if you read my book, yeah. it, it's very clear where, where I stand on this. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing mm-hmm. as a child, um, there, there, Every child who is abused, as far as I'm concerned, is a victim. Is a victim, yeah. yeah. They are. I mean, we we even have now, like, in domestic violence, you, you have... I mean, look at Sally Challen. Mm-hmm. You know, she was convicted of murder. Um, She killed her husband, who had been very abusive for many years. Mm-hmm. We have controlling and coercive behaviour now. Mm-hmm. Well, if a woman of 50 or, you know, 55 has got no way of getting out of that, what chance has a 14 or a 15-year-old kid got of standing up
0: against these gangs. So who was it that tried to say this? It was the men or it was the police that tried to say this young
1: child. What happened was um the, the two girls that that I brought on board, um the decision was made by the CPS right at the start that these were victims. Mm-hmm. And so for 6-7 months every day I would be interviewing and building bridges and they would be telling their story of what had happened. Seven months down. So at the, this
0: point you said yes when they ab- went. Yes, yeah. I did. So in the end you said yes said to come yes. on this operation. Yeah. Because
1: they gave me cast iron guarantees that there would not be a repeat of what happened in Operation right. Augusta. They showed me documents, mm-hmm. policy documents, um, because the, otherwise I, I didn't want to put myself through that again. Yeah. Because you, you think if you get to know somebody and you they unburden their soul to you, Massive. It's, and you're it's having a privilege. A prom- yeah, and you're yeah. promising these victims yeah.
0: that they won't be humiliated and be felt ashamed anymore, yeah. and that you're going to draw a line under this, yeah. and they'll be
1: heard. You know. And and actually, after seven months, I, there was a meeting, um, and a decision was made, which I always disagreed with, mm. um, that they were no longer going to use one of the girls. Mm. Um, and that's when I walked off the job, and that's when I you'd had enough. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, actually. So when later. you say you used
0: one of the girls, she had started off as a credible witness, she was a victim, and they decided it was no longer credible for the
1: for the trial, is that right? The decision was made by people who had never even heard this girl's story. Mm-hmm. None of the interviews had been put onto the database. I mean, po- political. there's a lot of political decisions within the police, but there are some things that are just so bad that yeah. I could never condone. And, you know, if you make a commitment, it's very different. Say say you went to the police um, or I went to the police and I'd been raped and I saw an officer. As that officer, I would say to somebody, look, you need to tell me what has happened. I will gather the evidence. I will do my very best to put this before the courts, but I can't make any promises. That was not what happened on the Rochdale job, mm-hmm. because the abuse had finished two years before. Right. The CPS and the, the most senior lawyers in the CPS had scrutinised what had happened. Before we approached any of the kids, we approached, we had already been told these are victims. Mm-hmm. So you don't identify because nothing changed. The, no. the kids were out out yeah. of the abuse. So when they were it, out of the abuse because they were too old for the predators. Um. Partly, but but as they get older, they become stronger and, and the men move on to new victims yeah. and younger victims. They've got like a, it's like a conveyor belt. They seek the most yeah, vulnerable. Yeah, and, and children who are being abused, I mean, they bring along the friends. That, mm-hmm. that is just because how they see it, it as fun. That's just how it is. Yeah. So there's a constant stream of new victims coming along. There's a an attitude that these kinds of families don't matter. Right. You know, they don't have a voice. It's very easy to say about a child who lives in difficult circumstances that they're making a lifestyle choice, that they don't make a credible witness. The children don't make lifestyle choices because no, they they're children. they don't. Um, and I felt that I was fighting their corner, armed with the facts, but also armed with my experience as a police officer as a mum, as a graduate, somebody they couldn't write Mm. off as somebody who'd lost the plot. Yeah. They tried. Yeah. But I feel that now time has shown that I wasn't making it Mm up, but it it almost destroyed me. Well, sometimes if you're told you're mad
0: for enough, then you actually start to question yourself, even though you're not, you know. it's.
1: I I did question it. You know, Mm -hmm. I was told, I mean, one senior officer said to me when I was fighting to... I was absolutely incandescent with rage, actually. Mm. But he told me to calm down. Calm down. Calm down, Maggie. So patronising. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Listen, what are these kids ever going to contribute to society? They should have been drowned at birth. Terrible. And, and I swear that, that that the God's honest truth. So when you are faced with those kinds of attitudes, I was also told, you know, you're just a detective. Senior officers make decisions. You do as you're told. And if you can't do as you're told, maybe you're in the wrong job. Mm-hmm. And that was another light bulb moment for me. I just knew that this was wrong. Mm-hmm. So if these kids had been middle class, educated... It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. It would never have happened. Or if it had, it would have been stamped out straight away. Could you imagine... You know, if if it was your, you know, your daughter, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be fobbed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you would. But but some of the families that these kids came from were already chaotic. Yeah, you know, they've they've maybe one of the mums has had a nervous breakdown. Another one had, had lost a, just lost a son who had mm. died. They're, they're struggling, um, and it's so easy to judge them. You know, they might swear. It doesn't mean that being raped by gangs of men is right. Yeah, you don't judge your victims. We should be focusing our attention on the predators, on uh-huh. the paedophiles. They learned because the authorities turned a blind eye for 20 years to this. They learned how to make it difficult to track them. You know, they changed really? the names. They. Right they're very hard to pin down. They they would take one girl at a time so there were no witnesses. And they um, kind of chose their victims carefully because they chose, like that statement you said about should have
0: been drowned at birth, they chose the yeah. forgotten part of society. Yeah. So they could, it is unaccountable for yeah. so that nobody cares. 100 You know, when you hear the expression of a credible witness at trial, well, if you've been repeatedly raped and abused, the likeliness that you'll be using drugs to block that out, that you will be an alcoholic to numb that yeah. pain is so likely yeah and therefore on paper you are not a credible witness no most people who have been repeatedly raped and abused are not well-adjusted level-headed adults because their childhood has been
1: destroyed I mean that all those things that you've just said there are why actually what I've learned since I resigned to now which is now six years nearly seven years the path I've trodden since then has really shown me that there is nothing there for these kids. Ignoring them as victims and not protect them is only mm. the start of the journey. Even if they are lucky enough, I and mean, you might, I mean, that that's a very debatable choice of word, mm-hmm. but even if they go through a trial, they walk out the door at the end of the trial to nothing. Mm. No support, no help, no compensation. So traumatised, really, as well, through a trial. You know, I feel, in relation to all the girls that I support now still... That, so the, you're in
0: touch with some of them a still? A lot of them, yeah. even
1: yesterday I, all, I was all day with one of the girls. Mm. I feel that the damage that the authorities have done to these kids is worse mm-hmm. than the abuse. Yeah. It is that that has destroyed them because the the people that should be protecting them, that should be supporting them, have failed. And there's no counselling. There is no joined-up system of help. Every single thing that they need is not there. And I suppose it echoes the abuser's
0: threats of you're worthless, no one cares about you, you're a slag, you deserve this. If the authorities then make you feel that and echo that sentiment, yeah. then how how do you recover? Well, they hide from the world. And-
1: they hide from the world. You know, they close the curtains, they don't go out. The girl I was with yesterday won't get on a bus. Mm-hmm. She doesn't go shopping.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she'll buy her clothes online. You know, she's been sectioned three times. There there is no mental health services there is no um the facilities are not there she goes to the gp and and you know ends up on a, a long waiting list she might get a bit of cbt at the end of it that is not what these kids need there isn't and that's why i've you know that's why i'm trying to start well i've got the charity number for the maggie oliver foundation i would like my dream is to have a center where we do have the facilities mm-hmm. to help these kids it it isn't just going to be about therapy and psychotherapy there'll be legal access to legal help to mentoring mm-hmm. maybe a pathway into education um, self-confidence mm-hmm. to help them believe that they've done you know nothing wrong su- A support mechanism there often they don't actually want to go to court mm-hmm. of course not you know yeah. but they still need help recovering yeah and the, the government, the authorities um, are not providing that. So your charity, the
0: Maggie Oliver Foundation, you're set up to, you want to create this, this hub, this, this place where they can get their life back. Yeah. Well, I say get their life back. They've never had an opportunity no. to start rebuilding some normality and some hope and some yeah. chance. Yeah.
1: By the time they're actually capable of facing up to what's happened. They're normally young women. Mm -hmm. And some are left with babies through these rapes. Yeah, most are. And they're very, very damaged. Mm -hmm. I'm inundated with um, messages and from people who are desperate. (laughs) Don't know where to turn. Because it's still happening as well. Oh, God, we're not, yeah. We're, to, we're not
0: talking like post when, when it was going on. This is No, currently this, is, this is
1: current. Girls and today are being
0: picked up in taxis as we're recording this episode. Yes,
1: they are. Yeah. And um, that is, they're the messages I get. But the, the messages are all so full of despair because people don't know where to go. Uh-huh. Um, there are some very, very good police officers. But unless you get the backing from the top... You know, you can't do your job. It's a big thing for you to speak out because, like you said
0: at the start of the episode, you embarked on this career later on in life. You know, you also lost your husband during this time. So you knew that there's no way you're going to be able to keep that job because, you know, whether you resigned or they pushed you out, you know, once you blow
1: the whistle, then everyone who you thinks your yeah. friend and colleague turns on you. My colleagues actually didn't. I've still really? got, okay. No, I've still got some really, really good friends, but I was in a, I was actually in a mess. I couldn't sleep. Um, I couldn't eat. I thought at one point maybe it is just me, um, but there was something inside me. And I think because I was older, that I just knew this was wrong. Well, your morals, your moral compass, yeah. Yeah, but it's a scary, scary road. I was, you know, I was threatened verbally, you know, with a wagging finger from, um, a detective chief superintendent because I said, I'm not, I'm not walking away from this. You, you do something about this because I am not walking away. Yeah. And he wagged his finger and said, listen, you're a police officer. You'll be very, very careful what you do with the evidence you've got. Um, in other words, threatening me—you me. you could end up in prison—and that's what I thought I would. Yeah. But I have to live with my conscience for the rest of my mm. life, and I didn't want my kids in thirty years' time to turn the telly on like Hillsborough mm-hmm. and find out that what I, you know, what that I'd been involved in this job. Yeah, and you'd been part of, and that. I'd been part of yeah. it. I wanted my kids to know that I had tried to tell the truth and mm-hmm. originally I, I i went to um file on four and they did a 45 minute um documentary which is really good oh right okay um, and i i thought that would be the what's end that of it called? I'll have to watch. it's called um it's on my website if you go on www.maggieoliver.co.uk mm. there's links to all my well a lot of the work i've done okay i'll have a look at but that but it's called it's about rochdale yeah um and that's really where I thought it would end. I would have something physical in my hand Proof. to prove yeah. that I tried. But I really thought that would be the end of it. Mm-hmm. And when that programme went out, I, I'd taken myself off to India. Right. Because I thought I would be arrested.
0: OK, so I you were frightened. I was
1: really frightened. Yeah. You know what? Part of me wanted them to arrest me. Yeah. Because I wanted the world to know. Yeah. Make as much noise what as the possible. the authorities had stooped to. And, and let people make up their own minds, yeah. which I still am happy to do. I suppose but because you're so
0: confident in that this was happening, this this is unjust, you you almost think, well, I don't care what you do to me because this is all true. I'd, I'd got to such a rock-bottom place yeah. that I had no doubt that, that it was wrong. And what about the predators? This is an interesting question I've been asking myself about you. Surely these men are violent, they're not law-abiding, they don't respect women, they're not
1: frightened of the authorities. Were you not getting threats from these predators directly to you? Not once the threats towards me have come from the authorities, not not once from from the offenders. Because I'm not a threat to them, am mm-hmm. I? I'm you're just, also more you're to
0: them you're uh, untouchable because you're not a vulnerable young child. No, I, these they, people they are, are cowards. Yeah. What is all these people's motivation for ignoring these these things? I don't understand.
1: I just think they feel they don't matter. Mm-hmm. I do. I feel um, it's a them and an us mentality, and I couldn't live my life like that mm-hmm. just because you can do something it doesn't mean it's right how can we stop this um i
0: mean you are what you're doing now is you're putting a very loud message out there that th- these children do have people that care about them there are people like you that will fight their corner so already that that is a big presence to these predators isn't it because for years there was no voice like you
1: yeah my dream is to have a maggie oliver center in every town around mm-hmm. the country and there is strength in numbers mm-hmm. it's very easy to 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 brush off one voice yeah it was you know they tried to brush me off but they actually they picked on the wrong woman (laughs) you know I believe I'm not just saying this because I like the sound of my own voice I'm saying it because we need to all stand together and we need to say this is wrong Mm -hmm. and we deal with it Mm -hmm. and it's no good saying we don't have the resources we are a wealthy country Mm -hmm. it's about making Priorities. If we don't have enough prior, uh, enough resources to deal with serious sexual abuse and life destroying rapes, um, and we've got a choice to make, well, we have to make a choice. We it's have not to... a
0: civilized society. No, it isn't. We're just brushing that
1: off. No, I mean we've got. We might have to make very difficult choices. Mm. We might have to look at where we target our resources. I think we potentially need to have very serious debates and discussions about the drug laws. Mm-hmm. We've lost that war. Mm-hmm. You know, people go to prison for using drugs, they use drugs in prison but the money that is thrown at that you know, if we can't protect these kids, what's the point of it? What is the
0: point? Yeah, what's the point of any of it? What is the point? So
1: I'm not saying it's simple. You went on Celebrity Big Brother. It wasn't just
0: normal Celebrity Big Brother. It was the Year of the Woman. And they had, you know, different inspirational women for various different reasons on there. Um, And I was really glad you went on because, you know, lots of people knew about you, but there is, there would have been sections of society that perhaps didn't know, you know, and didn't know what happened. So (laughs) what was it like going on Big Brother?
1: My my kids sort of, well... I'm glad I went on. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a risk. I mean, yeah. you, I mean, you went Strictly, didn't you? So yeah, So that must yeah. have been scary <laughs> as well. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think Big Brother would be... I mean, Strictly, you go home at night to oh, your family. Oh, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. I, I'd love to do it. But um, when they approached me, I thought, in order to continue to be heard... Mm. I have to put my head above the parapet. Yeah. And I have to, and I did say a lot in Big Brother, which wasn't shown because they said they couldn't get it through the legals. legal department. Right, okay. But I went on there to be heard. And I actually think it was really successful mm-hmm. because wherever I go, people know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, whether I'm abroad or here or shopping, yeah. people come up and and I feel that the message has spread. And that opens debate and yeah. discussion, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Uh-huh. I'm trying to share my knowledge with the country. Yeah. I can't change the country on my own, mm-hmm. but if we all gather together and I, I kind of see this you know the foundation as the starting point for that is daunting actually and You know, because you've set up yours. Yeah, it's
0: very stressful, but but there's hope in your message because there's hope in that. You know, you stood up against a very intimidating organisation, and you went through dark times, but you're still standing. You've set, (laughs) you know, you've set up your charity. You've got a public profile for good. You know, you're using it for good. Trying, yeah, and you know, a lot of these victims for a long time before they were groomed by these men probably felt hopeless during and after they felt hopeless, and you are giving hope that you know and the response from majority of the general public is people it's are been getting phenomenal behind you. It's yeah been,
1: you have to believe yeah you have to be prepared to be criticized mm-hmm. um but if you truly believe what you're saying and you're telling the truth not everyone's going to agree yeah but you have to start somewhere and it there, it is daunting and yeah. you know i need funding we need to get public funding i would like my centres. I feel quite arrogant saying that but I only use my name because people know what I stand for. But I want the centre to be a go-to place Mm -hmm. for, not just for for survivors of grooming, but for women from the Pakistani community who have been forced into arranged marriages Mm -hmm. that are isolated, that Mm -hmm. have got no support network around them. I want girls who have been subjected to female genital mutilation to come to us because I want the centres to be a centre of excellence. Mm. We're, we're learning. I haven't got all the answers. I want people to, as we move forward, I'm hoping that in the in the new year we'll start the first pilot. Right. But it will be um, a centre in development. You know, it's not going to be perfect to start with. I want people to come on board with ideas. What do they want? What would they like to see? And I'd like to shame the authorities into acknowledging what is missing Mm. and putting it right, using its public money, this is desperately needed. I've waited and I've banged on doors and I've spoken to everybody to provide these services and they are not doing it. And the effort that it takes to try and jump through everybody's hoops yeah. and get nowhere it's at the end exhausting. of it. It's It's exhausting. Yeah. So the
0: people listening, if people want to get behind you,
1: can they fundraise? They can get, what, what we can had they some think? girls in Rochdale on Sunday actually got a big group of girls together and they climbed Mount Snowden. Oh wow, that's excellent. So, yeah. We're just at the start of that path. Yeah. I've got a Just Giving page. We've now got the charity number. What's What's the name of the Just Giving page? The Maggie Oliver Foundation. Okay, so we can look that up. We can yeah. look the website up. And oh, what just, about yeah. your book
0: for people that haven't read your book, yeah. the title um, of your book?
1: Maggie Oliver, Survivors. And I mean, if somebody thinks they're going to buy a book that's going to um, talk about individual girls and the the um, their abuse, mm. it, it talks about all the kids mm. and the the failures of the authorities. Mm-hmm. It talks specifically about the failures of Greater Manchester Police, CPS, um social services and and through it we is my own life story because you know I, I wanted people to know we've talked all about the grooming mm. but there is a lot more to me you mm. know I didn't join the police till I was 41 mm-hmm. I'd like older women to 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 be inspired in a way to think that you know if if they become a widow or they the life falls apart you you can reinvent yourself you know I mean look at you Katie you are inspirational oh, thank no, you you're, truly inspirational but you've dug deep you know I've dug deep we've experienced pain I lost my little granddaughter just before she was three so we all face adversity whether it's abuse or whether it's bereavement Mm. Um, but we can overcome it. I suppose your message of what you've
0: been through personally, and then the victims as well, is it's never too late. No. It's never too late to report something, no. it's never too late to seek support, it's never too late to start again, to retrain, yeah. you know, and never never should anybody feel trapped no. that, well, I it's too late now, I can't say anything, or I can't be what I want to be, and you know... Yeah, it's
1: never too late. Yeah, and hopefully... You um, can reinvent yourself, yeah. and I mean, I want my centres not to be just a place to come and talk about abuse. Mm. I want them to be a drop-in center where we're going to do, my idea is that you know people come along, we can have a little crash, we maybe do a makeup session and a confidence building session for for the the women and then maybe have a lunch club and then have one-to-one sessions that they mm. can book as and when they want to talk. They might yeah. never want to, but they might. I'd like mentors there who have been through it. Mm-hmm. Um, if they need legal advice or they need to know where to go, mm. they, it will be a gateway to those services. Well, you are such a formidable woman. I have no <laughs> doubt that you will do all of this and more. Oof.
0: And I would like you to come back in, I don't know, four or five years' time, possibly with some of the people as well. And I would love to talk to you further because it's oh, just so much to you <laughs> and you know I just feel so grateful that we have people like you out there and thank you for everything you do
1: well, thank you for speaking to <laughs> me it's been a pleasure thank you thanks Katie
0: thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People if you haven't already please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts if you enjoyed this please help us spread the word rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials